0: But that two weeks totally changed my trajectory as a leader. It gave me the confidence that I could, I could step into those shoes and actually run an organisation.
1: Welcome to Tech Talks, the podcast brought to you by Nash Squared and hosted by myself, David Savage, that's been bringing you the latest thinking from technology leaders for over eight years. Right, Kish. Hello. It is Leeds Digital Festival this week and next week. Yep. Today's show features two interviews from female founders in Leeds. Yep. What can you tell me about Leeds?
2: Uh, what can I say about Leeds? They're in Yorkshire. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, We've got to do a bit better than that. Yeah, We've they, got they, festival director uh, Yeah, this, so. I mean
2: we we're, we are firm supporters of Leeds Digital Festival. We are. Uh, we, we are sponsoring the. We event are sponsoring the event as Arbynash, well. Yeah. yeah, correct and. Um, Yeah, encouraging technology up in the north of England. So,
1: there we go. (laughs) I'm so sorry, Stuart.
2: (laughs) Yeah. We love you, Leeds, 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 as the football team says. Marching on together. Marching on together. There we go.
1: You know, one of my best mates is from Leeds. He lives in London. Uh, He's married a girl from Bromley. Right. And he's called his first-born daughter, Eleanor. After. Except he's re spelt it in yeah. a particular way because if you are someone who's from Leeds, yeah. you are called a, a Lionor. Right. Except his wife didn't know this. Yeah. he didn't bother to tell her that the way that they spelt their daughter's name is an anagram of Lion or, yeah, random bit of Leeds. Leeds yeah, Ligian. very good. Well, wait wait, wait
2: till they have a, a second child and then, you know. A different anagram. I don't yeah. think you can get too
1: many names. Probably um, yeah. called
2: Bromley next. So if or one. an anagram of Bromley. Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Something <laughs> like that. Anyway, look, um, it is Leeds
1: Digital Festival. Um, happens every year, two weeks of multiple events across the city. I've been lucky enough to go a couple of times. And Harvey Nash, part of Nash Squared, are sponsoring. So uh, I think they had an event earlier this week, in fact, but there's loads of events going on over the next couple of weeks. We're going to hand over to the first interview, which is with George, George Fairhall. uh, And we'll be back in just a moment. So today I'm joined by George Fairhall. Uh, Thank you for giving up some time. On a sunny, well, I assume it's sunny. It's sunny down here anyway, um, evening. It's not sunny where you are, a shake of the head. No, it's
3: not sunny in Leeds. It's it's, it's (laughs) sunnier than yesterday, but
1: it's not, no. It's always sunny in Leeds. No, uh, (laughs) thank you for taking the time to join me. Um, You're the CEO and founder of WAC. Before we do anything else, who are WAC?
3: So, WAC is an app, and we are for hourly paid workers. We're on Google Play and on the App Store. Um, By hourly paid workers, I mean shift workers uh, mostly. So it's kind of chaotic shift patterns. Um, And we help uh, our users keep track of their hours, their pay, get pay sub estimates, manage their bills, manage their rota. We even help with um, breaking down legal jargons such as when you should have breaks and holiday and things Mm. that um, are pretty difficult when you're working in these kind of chaotic um, jobs and we just yeah give financial security really and, and try and be a voice for for those workers.
1: If you don't mind me asking, is this is this B two B or B two C? Because I know you say it's for people who are working those kind of shift pattern roles perhaps and, and keeping track of their hours. There are other solutions obviously out there, which I suppose are B2B because they partner with businesses. Or is this something that it doesn't matter if, you're, if your company has signed up for it, you can just sign up and use the app?
3: Yes, yeah, so we are coming from a, a B2C perspective. So it was thought out long and hard when I launched the business, but because I was coming from um a worker position where i had experienced problems for years on end and been underpaid and lost track and tried to keep track of hours on my phone um even though my employers had different clocking systems um which actually a lot are still paper-based which would shock you um just because of the pure nature of the the style of work and how last-minute rotor changes swapping shifts being sent home being told to come in late um that there, there is a lot of issues with uh, tracking hours and, and people being paid correctly. Um, so essentially, we're sort of, we started as a tracking app so that you had a backup mm-hmm. so instead of using your notes or writing it down or, um, and now it's kind of evolved into helping in many other aspects of challenge, things that are challenging within that, that hourly page work basically so so we are helping people literally claim back wages that have been underpaid but then also we're helping people get an estimate of their payday um which you can't actually do usually in this type of work until you actually get your payslip um which sometimes is too late if you need to pick up shifts or you need to you know have an idea of what bills are coming out or so we just we're we're kind of building an ecosystem for hourly paid workers really and but the core of it being helping you kind of organize and track your hours and make sure you're getting paid right
1: so it's it's like a, forgive the the dumb questions, but it, it's like a a virtual machine kind of on your phone that you can just literally clock on and clock off, and that allows you to then track the hours. Initially, how how does that look?
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's um, so we've modernised the term clock in, clock out to whack in and whack out. So I use it to where, whack in and whack out. Where, where does
1: that come from?
3: Well, I imagined it first as like a oh,
1: that that's, you, that's okay, that okay. so it's a cool invention right
3: yeah. so like you know you like you want to whack it in your notes or whack it on yeah it's like a, a, a quick and then the actual action of whacking something it just all kind of and I was like I want it to be a quick like you whack whack in and whack out and it's done quick and it's there and it's saved in your records um and nice. we just make it super super easy just just so you've got a backup but then also helping you get a bit organized you know I used to look at my pay slips on payday and I, you you don't know, you sort of shrug your shoulders like, yeah, that's about right. And then some paydays I'd look at and like, that doesn't seem right. I worked a lot more hours than that. And, and I just kind of got sick of the fact that it was, you, you normalize it and you sort of shrug it off and it's like, Hmm. oh, well, what can I do sort of thing? So I started to track my hours on my phone and, um, that paycheck, I was underpaid 120 pounds. Um, and I was right. working for a chain business. Um, so, you know, lo- loads over the country um, in hospitality. And um, then I worked agency jobs throughout the summer. I I was working in a ASDA, handing out cider samples one, one day. And um, I remember it being the worst job ever because it was by the freezers and it was really cold. And I remember thinking it was just the worst thing and i was paid 250 pounds i think for like two days or something and i never got paid it ever i never got paid it to this day i've never been paid it so um there were multiple things throughout my time in hospitality and retail agency jobs where it just you know there was no regulation there was no support there was no trust like it, it was just the same sort of thing continuously and i knew that it was happening with all my colleagues um, and when I was not paid that money, I went to citizen advice and they kind of said, Oh, have you emailed? Have you done, you know, the early stage kind of processes? And I had, and then they basically said, well, unless you have a lawyer, unless you can get a lawyer to sue them, there's nothing you can do.
1: Which obviously is not a route available to most people, I suppose, in, in those yeah, types of no. jobs.
3: And it can just be for a very small so You'd be paying more that, you know, it's just actually not worth yeah. it, but it is worth it. You know, like when you're working. And you're getting paid weekly, and you're missing twenty pounds or fifty pounds or hundred, you know, and it's happening regularly. It's a lot of money, especially to individuals at work in these types of jobs, because you're not paid very well. You're not, you know, you're mm. working usually the worst hours. Um, so, I was sick of the fact that it was just so unregulated and so broken, um, and did something about it.
1: I will freely admit that I have, I am very lucky to have a lot of privilege and a lot of resources. And I, I do have a, a company that will answer questions and And I've worked out for a very long time. And I still look at a payslip and look at kind of financial aspects of, of, of life and get thoroughly confused. Yeah. Um, what questions do you find your users are coming to you because you said it's evolving there's there's an ecosystem there you're you're no doubt getting feedback from them about what they're what information they're wanting what is it
3: yeah so i think just knowing that the support there is a huge thing so we're becoming kind of the go-to platform outside of acas and citizen advice where people can like just freely ask questions and and get that information back obviously at this point we can only really direct because we're not like we're not giving legal or financial advice in, in in that capacity but um the fact that we're getting the questions like what do I do when I don't get a break what do I do if I've been underpaid what do I do if I'm being overworked what do I do if I want to report someone at work you know there's so many things that are going on where where do you ask those questions if they just you know you come home from work where do you go to get that information? And it, it, it's really hard. You know, I never had that information mm. to know that there's, you know, like an organization there, a business there that is is helping and giving you that support in, in any capacity is, is amazing. So our mission really is to kind of become an all-inclusive platform that's giving support to hourly paid workers and then offering financial security in many ways through our tools and also giving access to different things where the app is evolving. So... Yeah, it's mostly um, sadly where people are being taken advantage of. Um, some might not be intentionally, you know. Some are, are just bad systems, bad processes. Um, unfortunately, a lot of businesses, especially in hospitality, have really low budgets and things now, so things are being cut corners a bit, you know. And it's not necessarily fair in some some places. So we're just we're we're just trying to. Just back up employees, basically, and, and give them a little bit of credit for their hard work and support where they need it.
1: You are the, as we said, you're the CEO. You're also founder. Um, are you co-founder? Is it just you? Just me. <laughs> so you fall into a very small category and your business falls into a, into a small category of solely female led businesses you've been going for five years nearly five years four years nine months according to linkedin
3: yeah so um i mean we launched the app in march 2020 the dreaded month of um of in history um so the app has been live since then um but i've been working on it since then i, I quit my law career what, what could have been um in january 2019 so yeah
1: As I alluded to there, you're in a a very small, unfortunately, um, number of sole, solo, female-led businesses. What challenges have you faced over the last five years? And I ask that because whilst I'm I'm aware a lot of people will be familiar with these challenges. We do have a global audience. It is a podcast. There is a a youngish audience as well, many of whom are probably entrepreneurial. It's good to talk about these experiences
3: yeah definitely I don't think it um it defines like you know your journey um in any way I hate to think that things are happening and experiences I've had of purely because I'm a young woman but there is definitely things that have made me feel like I'm being treated like a young dumb girl that doesn't know anything but then you know there's a side to it where I am a young founder and don't have tons of experience so it's about you know I guess the conversations you have and and um people being as understanding of the position you're in you know I come from a working class background I was the first person to go to university in my house ha- and in, in my family um I kind of bootstrapped but the most I got was a five thousand pound wedding wedding gift that my mum and dad had for me um that I decided to spend on the business um the rest of it has been investment funded grant funded convertible loans I've done everything um and I've definitely experienced challenge when it's come to funding um there has been direct comments made um in some conversations where I know that people are undermining me and um labeling me and um that's really sad. Uh, Obviously, those conversations don't go any further. Um, But then again, I do think it is really difficult for any kind of founder at the moment to be raising funds in the current market. And especially with a startup business, one that's not revenue generating like ours. um, Yeah, it's tough. It's really tough. Um, But, you know, you've just got to keep Grafted and grafted and grafted, and it's just been a case of having resilience and just keep going and going and trying to cut out the the really bad stuff and uh, keep storming ahead. So yeah, I have I have done that.
1: You mentioned it's it's non uh, revenue um the, the the business. When you're talking to when you're talking to investors, do they kind of not do they get that? Of course they get that, but is that something that they kind of appreciate? and can see the bigger picture beyond well hang on a minute because return on investment obviously and and growth roi is kind of what when you talk to vcs what they're kind of looking for so immediately that's a slightly different spin
3: yeah i'm a a woman young b to c and non-revenue so i'm probably the worst <laughs> most uh, high risk investment ever but i'm living proof it's not impossible i think when um The passion is there and it's really clear in you that you have a mission and that you are prepared to literally do anything to make those changes and achieve that mission um, in any way possible. I really, really care about what we're doing and how we're trying to change um, workers' lives essentially and how we are now. Um, So I think that coming across is super, super important. there are reasons that I've gone down the non-revenue route for now. I've had to show a very clear path to revenue. Um, but in early days, because our market um, tends to be on low to minimum wage, it was always really difficult on how we're going to monetize the app because we want to be able to give this tool and service. But... We're giving financial security and charging for financial security to people that don't have much excess money was was really difficult. Um, So I basically had to show the opportunity, show the problem and show the size of the market and then slowly kind of raise funding in um, tranches so that I could take some funding, go away, prove it take some fun and go away and prove it. And that's literally what I've done for three years. So I've been continuously fundraising and I'd much prefer to be focusing on the growth of the business. But doing that has, has been is has enabled me to prove myself and prove that there is a big enough problem. And in doing that, we've had the interest in, you know because obviously if you can gain enough traction and show you're proving mm-hmm. a big enough problem, then monetization can come when you have an audience of that size with something that could go viral.
1: I don't want to, to dwell on the point, because as you've said, um, you know, you, d- you don't want to be a, seen as a, as, as a st- statistic. You know, and it's clear that the, the, the passion for the business is, and the idea behind it is what you want to be kind of judged on. What What would you hope changes in the industry to give more of an opportunity to people and businesses like yours to not be a statistic and it just be more of a level playing field?
3: Yeah, I think... I feel like now because because I'm a woman in tech and a woman founder and tech for good and impact based, you know, I feel like now investment is seeing that's the right thing to do. So two, three years ago, I didn't have the same list of investors that I have now. And suddenly I've got all this interest from all these investors and it's like, what's that intention is it because you can see that i was a statistic and you're now just trying to jump on the fact that it's probably good to invest in more women or is it because you genuinely care and actually understand how hard it's been um because some some investors you speak with um even some like, you know, companies, potential partnerships, any, you know, I've had, I've had the, I've had quite negative experiences in many conversations. It's not just an investment. Um, I do like to trick people though, cause my name's Georgina, but I'm known as George. And so when I put George and then, uh, I turn up, it's quite funny sometimes to see the face. Um, but I think, I think, um, it, Obviously, we want investors and and, and that to change and we want the story to change. We want women to, you know, bring more women in and grow amazing businesses and and make these changes. But I want to see that it's for the right reasons, you know, not just because people are trying to do it because they know it's good. Do do you know what I mean? That's how it feels sometimes. So I would really like people to be doing it for the right intentions and make that clear, you know. And and help the businesses that are right at the bottom. Because the market's yeah. bad at the minute, you know, it, you have to really be like really low risk, you know, revenue generating. It doesn't feel like there's much risk appetite here in the UK. I think the US is a little different from experience I've had talking to people. I think the risk uh, is, is there a little bit more in the US, but I, I ha- from, you know, from my experience, it's not here. Um, and it's it's really difficult. It's really difficult to get a business going as it is. Yeah. Let alone if you have all these other issues with labelling and statistics and things. So
1: let's let's switch tone then. Let's talk about something positive, um, which is that you do have a community around you in yeah. Leeds. Leeds is a is a thriving city. You're from Brighton. What, what are you doing in Leeds? <laughs> i don't know no i love leeds
3: i uh i went to university in nottingham um and then i came up still quite a
1: way short of leeds but yeah
3: i wanted to get away i wanted to get away from that no i love brighton only in the summer there on the beach um i always wanted to get away going you know experience new things and Mm -hmm. go see go see the big old uk um uh, so, I went to uni in Nottingham, like a kind of a good distance away, and then ended up in Leeds after university. And that was eight years ago, um, nine years ago. So, I've been here a little while. I love Leeds. I think it's a really nice little city. It's not too big. I'm from near London, and London's too big. You have to get tubes everywhere. Everything's an operation, every meetup. And, um, Yeah, that's not ideal for me. So I I, I love Leeds for the little city it is. And I love the little boroughs around the centre. And I love uh, that I've started a business here in a time that I feel is a really exciting time for tech companies. Um, And there's so much going on. This you know we've had great amounts of interest with investment and um you know the different festivals and things that are going on like Leeds Digital Festival at the moment Uh, there's just so much happening and I'm really proud to be a part of it because I feel like we're really trying to make a change up uh, in the north
1: You, you mentioned Leeds Digital Festival um this will go out at the time of Leeds Digital Festival which is which is two weeks this will go out in the first week so there'll be plenty going on if anyone is listening what are you looking forward to
3: I like being able to, um, I like the opportunity. I'm lucky enough now to be recognized for what we're doing. Um, so we're actually up for two awards uh, for Leash Digital mm-hmm. Festival, which is exciting. Um, and I've asked to be on a couple of panels and things. And like, I really love that I get the chance to kind of share my story and be able to help people because I have gone through all of the the challenges and you know at this early stage of business I mean I am at stage one uh, there's lots to come but it, it has been hard and and to come from you know I, I'm running a tech company and I'm a non-technical founder um against all the odds I've like come out the other side and we're building an amazing business that's um doing really well that's raised nearly a million pounds to date um and I love being able to go out and tell people my experiences and be able to help them and kind of show them that anyone can do it <laughs> if i can so yeah it's it's, it's just good, great to have and then the network and the people around you know everyone's really supportive and all the different businesses and companies like really come together so
1: yeah yeah i love yeah. it well look thank you for spending some time thank you for sharing your journey it feels like we should be talking about journeys it's coming into like bake off and strictly come dancing time yeah. of the year where <laughs> The journey is the thing, but no, joking aside. It's really very kind of you to spend some time talking to me today, and good luck. I know that you're you're raising, as you said, you've been consistently raising, but you're raising at the moment. So I hope that goes well.
3: Yeah, we've opened a big round now, so um, yeah, we're um, having investor conversations. So please do get in contact with me on LinkedIn if um, our, our um, business is of interest to you. And uh, thank you for having me. Thank you for letting me share my story to the world.
1: And, uh, yeah, it's great to meet you. Yeah, Georgia, Georgia, as she said there, she's from Brighton, and she's moved up to Leeds. Akeesh, you are are a bona fide southerner. Mm. Have you ever considered moving north?
2: Um, Probably not seriously. Yeah, not seriously, but... The only thing that attracts me there is, I think, um, the only thing. Well, one, one, <laughs> one, one, one of a few things.
1: There's always a northerner here, right? Yeah. This is a show about Mr. Correct, correct, so correct.
2: I think, I think one of the things is about the the sort of the the the, the north of England or every northerner that I've met. Yeah. And, and I'm talking proper, you know, Yorkies you know Lancastrians these sorts of people yeah. they are very community driven yeah. like they're very passionate and I don't think we really have that in London if I'm honest because Ooh, I, okay, I don't know okay, okay. maybe that's a generalising
1: I think London statement. has communities
2: yeah communities but it's not it's like not, one it's no. not like you know South London North London yes. East West whatever um, but I think that, that thing I really really love I also love the fact that um, it's a bit cheaper To live than London. I'm going to be very honest with you.
1: I mean, and Leeds, you can walk everywhere.
2: Yeah, correct. Um, And also, it's still a big city feel, but it's still got small town feel at the same time. So it's interesting you say that that. because
1: because George reflects that, and part of the reason she moved from Brighton to Leeds is that community aspect. And as we're about to hear from Anna who is from York, so a proper Yorkie. Proper Yorkie. Um, yeah, it is that community aspect more than anything else yeah. that makes the city stand out. And look, this is a bit of a, a Leeds loving today, but what Akish has just said there is going to be reflected in the next interview. I am very lucky to be joined by Anna Sutton. Uh, thank you for taking some time to have a quick chat.
0: Uh, Hi,
1: David. Thanks for having me. Uh, You are the co-founder and CEO of... Now, let me get this right, because you were co-founder and CEO of the Data Shed. Yep. And now the Data Refinery. Yep. What's what's the difference between the two? And do you want to tell us a little bit about the Data Refinery?
0: Yes. So uh, one is software and one is consulting. Right. So... um, the data shed started in, well, we were officially registered in 2011, three months after we gave birth to our first child, my business partner is my husband, and we realised how hard it was actually looking after a baby, and we thought it was a terrible idea, I made the company dormant and went back to work and just didn't think anything else about it. And then <laughs> when I was pregnant with baby number two in 2013, I was made redundant, And we thought, actually, that's the ideal time to start a company. Um, So Ed handed in his notice. We squeaked through with a mortgage because we knew it was the last time we were going to be able to get a mortgage on a house. And had another baby and started a business all in the space of about six weeks. Um, And we set up the data shed with the prime... Goal of making data more valuable to the businesses it belongs to, so helping them take the data that they have to understand what's going on in their organization and help them make better decisions across the board. And I wanted to build some software. I'm my background is in marketing, so I'm not a data person or oh, I don't think there is a typical data person anymore, but um, certainly back then, not what you would perceived to have been a typical data person. I just consumed data in the pursuit of doing a better job as a marketing human. and um, just used to drive me completely bananas that I couldn't do it myself. So I wanted to build something that would allow me to do that, so somebody of my technical capability, which is not particularly technical at all. Um, so that's what we wanted to do. And we set up the data shed to do it, and then we realised that actually building software is really expensive, very time-consuming, and we knew nothing about raising money, we knew nothing about applying for grants, we knew nothing about how to fund anything like that, so... We've effectively bootstrapped, which is a term that I've learned, you know, five years later, <laughs> and the build of a software, the software platform by building out a consultancy business. So the data shed accidentally pivoted into a data consultancy. Right. We picked up clients along the way. Ed is a data engineer by trade um, and is uh, has a background in both linguistics and economics. So combine kind of those three and it really helps understand both the commercial basis of an organization and how data and language comes together to really glue data sets together to drive value so we've picked up a number of clients mainly in the financial services sector because we are in Leeds and that's what there was around here back then Um, and from that point we grew a consultancy that was driving two million pounds in EBITDA and had 75 people by the end of last financial year and um, we got it to a stage where we had also built out the software business which is the data refinery I'll put my jumper on, um, and it was time to separate the two out and for me to go and run the platform which is what I'd always wanted to do And we wanted to de-risk our position a bit. So we sold the data shed to Hippo Digital back in March, Mm -hmm. um, which was a really great um, story of two Leeds businesses coming together. So Hippo was also born and bred in Leeds. Um, We've known the Hippo founders for a really long time. We've worked with them on projects with clients before. And um, we knew that the skill set that we had at the data shed really complemented the skills that they had over at Hippo. So it was a really natural um, next step for the sheds to go and join Hippo Digital.
1: Here's quite a random question then, um, okay. given your mention of language and the fact that you're a marketeer. Yeah. I'm not entirely sure when we started saying data is the new oil, but has the data refinery got anything to do with that A play on words at all?
0: Oh, I absolutely stole that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, actually, um, I actually know uh, Clive Humphrey's daughter, Rowena. I absolutely am not stealing his words. Um, I mean, is data the new oil? Probably not, because it's much more difficult to turn it into value than it is with oil. <laughs> um, and obviously, it's all down to how businesses use it. But um, that is really what the platform does. It refines data as nuggets of information. Into
1: something that is absolutely valuable as an output. I, I, I'm trying to remember now, and as time goes by, things get jumbled up in your head. I can't remember data being the new oil being a phrase that we were using regularly in 2011. I assume that this has got an easier task for you, kind of talking to businesses and, and getting them to see the, the value in what you are what you are uh, telling them as time has gone on.
0: I think the um, we've obviously sat on the sidelines of watching the cloud evolution as well mm-hmm. over the last 12 years. So as um, organizations have looked to move their infrastructure into the cloud, obviously data moves with it. And lifting and shifting data or lifting and shifting tech from on-prem to the cloud is a very tricky business. And just lifting and shifting data is a daft thing to do if actually you can do something with it on the way through to actually drive value from it and use it. You you're already spending money on actually moving something from A to B. You might as well spend a little bit more and actually really transform it into something that is a really valuable business asset.
1: Yeah. Um we mentioned leads. Yeah. Two brilliant leads businesses in in your business and hippo. Mm-hmm. We're in the midst of leeds digital festival and will be as well over the course of the next week what's special about leeds
0: well i'm very biased and
1: yeah look for context as you know we've already spoken to george george is also on this podcast she's she's come up from brighton so she's been won over but you are you are very much a, a Leeds a kind of native um,
0: i am a Le- a Leodensian for sure i have lived here since i was three and I was only born up the road in York. So I am Yorkshire born and bred, as you can probably tell from the accent. <laughs> what is special about Leeds? So um, the thing that I really love about Leeds is its generosity. As a group of people, um, the tech sector in Leeds is so collaborative. And, I mean, Stuart Clark's favourite word, the festival director of Leeds, Digital festival collaboration, Um you could, I could pick up the phone now with a challenge I have in my business and within half an hour I would be talking to somebody who would be able to help me solve it. And that would, could be another founder of a direct competitor. They would just give me their time.
1: And look, sorry to interrupt, but no. do, you, do you feel that other cities don't offer that? Or is it not that other cities don't offer that, but it's just easier in Leeds or friendlier somehow? Or I
0: think it's just easier in Leeds because it's actually really small. So Leeds is actually quite a small city, but it's got a really um uh, larger than life tech sector. And right. the festival has really helped glue us all together. So and it's been going for oh Stuart's gonna kill me. Eight years. I think this year's its eighth year. I've been attending since twenty eighteen and I think it just it's just really easy to navigate. And if you can you can walk from one side of Leeds to the other in 30 minutes. Hmm. Um that doesn't I um, mean, that we don't need a proper, decent public transport system. <laughs> we'll to not get into that. Um, but I think everybody knows everybody else. Everybody is, um, want, is really supportive of Leeds as a tech sector, and we want to grow that out. We've got a really long history in the city with data. Um, Call Credit was founded here. We've had all of the credit reference agencies here for a very long time financial services has been in need for forever and I th- what that has given us is a really talented um team uh, sorry a really talented tech pool of candidates because actually we've got some very very senior tech capability here and that's meant that's given us the foundations to really um full like to grow very vast businesses because there's been talent out there that we can bring in um but what makes Leeds different I mean I, I've never run a business in Manchester or Colchester or Kent, so I've no I, I don't know what it I don't know how different it is to to run it to run a business in a tech sector in, a, in another city all I know is that Leeds is very welcoming it's very easy to access Um, all the services that are on offer here the council are very collaborative with the tech sector the anchor institutions here are incredibly supportive we've got great relationships with all the universities we have had Leeds Digital obviously which is now NHS England here for a long time that's really helped Um, again has provided money into the local infrastructure and ecosystem so you know we're very fortunate to have had Some great organisations in the city, and we have attracted more um, organisations to the city over the last five years because of the brilliant talent that we have here.
1: Colchester was a random pluck, by the way.
0: Well, you know, I thought I'd chuck something random in. I I went
1: to university in Colchester, so I know quite (laughs) well. University of Essex. Uh, Anyway, that's a one side. What drew you? I mean, you've spoken there about Leeds, kind of in very generic terms, very positive, but very generic terms. What drew you specifically into the festival?
0: So, um, as I said at the beginning, when we set the company up, I was at home with the children. So I had two kids under the age of two, a new company, and a husband who was trying very hard to, to get a business going. And I did my best from the sidelines for the first four years so I did a bit of BA work a bit of business analysis did a bit of project management went and did a bit of um, consulting contracting and consulting to kind of pay some of the bills um, but it was always part-time and ad hoc I was also in charge of doing the books which was a terrible idea but I did do management science at Union did have an accounting module in there so I kind of understood what a P&L and a balance sheet did um, but anyway that's long behind me thank God um when the children so when my youngest son started school in September I actually went back to the data shed to work full-time for the first time and it became very apparent very quickly that Ed really needed to focus on building out the engineering and technology function of the organization so he turned around to me and said here you run it And um, I haven't run anything. So I've literally had one person who I've managed in my entire career before that point. And I really didn't know how to run a business. I didn't really know how to run a team. Um, So I was absolutely terrified at that point. And we were also in the process of going to market to raise funding, which was a whole new world of language on top of the world of technology language that I had to learn, get used to, understand. Um, And the festival was happening in early 2018 and I thought you know I'm just gonna have a look at some of these events so I went along to a coaching and mentoring kind of speed speed mentoring um, event that was run and at that event it was run by a lady called Emma Cheshire and I'll never forget it because I met loads of people who were so generous with their insight, they taught me about what some of the terminology. so I wrote down some of the terms that I've like heard in some of these fundraising meetings and I took them along with me and I got them to explain to me what they were and I also met a leadership coach called Claire Ackers who was to become a bit of a linchpin in my future development and uh, that gave me a bit of a boost in confidence and then a couple of nights later I went to the Women's Voices in Tech dinner that was being run by uh, Emma Cheshire and Sarah Tulip, two um, really big characters in the uh, Leeds tech sector. And I managed to score a ticket to that because one of my team had a spare ticket. So I ended up going to that. And at that event, I was sat on a table next to a lady called Liz Whitefield. Liz Whitefield is one of the founding directors of Hippo Digital. So the company who was to buy it five years later got chatting to her and then a couple of other events went to the um, awards and uh, a lady who I'd met a few weeks earlier introduced me to Zandra Moore, who is another female founder of A Data Platform Business in Leeds and there was Sarah Tulip and Deb Huffington and a couple of other people out on that balcony that night and I think we just sat there and chatted for about three hours and we missed all of the awards. Um, those four women got me through lockdown. They got. We'd have weekly calls. We would sit and we would chat things over. I would bounce ideas off them. They'd ring me up. We'd we'd all we just kind of got our heads together and figured out how we were going to cope. There was a mix of founders and uh, senior leaders in, in that group, and they're really close friends of mine now. But that two weeks totally changed my trajectory as a leader. It gave me the confidence that I could I could step into those shoes and actually run an organization. It gave me a group of people that I could um, call friends and advisors. And it also gave me a coach who I've worked with for the last four years um, on a monthly basis to go through any challenges that I'm having, to help me level up every time. We needed to, so it's very different running a company turning over three hundred thousand pounds to running a company that's turning over six million pounds and one that actually wants to grow, you know, 30% year on year. Hiring people, building out a structure, building out a board, building out a senior management team, it all every time you're doing something for the first time, and that's hugely challenging and those that, that those are the people that helped me cope, and I found all of them at the digital festival.
1: It's interesting because we're we're putting these podcasts out in in the midst of what we're calling female founders fortnight. On the podcast, we've got the we've got the docu film coming out in a couple of weeks in early October, where we're speaking to female founders and we're saying, "What is your advice?" and and that is a common thread. Asking for advice, what should what should other women who potentially find themselves in this situation know? it would sound listening to you that rather than any single individual piece of knowledge, it's that community or that network that really has been fundamental.
0: It Absolutely, 100%. If I was gonna put my <laughs> mental stability and health and our success, my personal success down to anything, uh, any one thing, it would be the community of founders and supporters that I've built around me over the last five years, and they have all been instrumental in 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 our success. Because sometimes you just don't know what decision to make, and it always helps to chew it over with somebody else. Um, and it, it's not just you know I've I've named all of these wonderful women in there, but there's been some fabulous male founders who have sat and chewed things over with also we've been brought together as a community by by a number of different organizations across Leeds throughout the year and it really gives you an opportunity to talk through some of the challenges that you have when growing a business and scaling an organization Mm. Um, and yeah without being able to pick up the phone and going ah have you have you had this problem before and how did you fix it um it, or just getting some other ideas or just or just a hook because people really understand how difficult it can be. Um,
1: you just feel a lot less alone. Look, thank you for spending a few minutes and, and sharing a little bit of insight on, on your world. Uh, this is going out Thursday the... Where are we? It's, it's Tuesday today. Here we go, pulling the, the curtain back. So this is going out on Thursday the, the 21st. Next week is still all festival. If, so, if someone's in, in England or, you know, the, the north of England, or they think, sorry, I'm going to go to Leeds, is there anything in that second week they should keep a, an ear or, or an eye out for, rather? Uh, I'm going to
0: absolutely confess, I've not looked at the second week, so
1: I'm not here. <laughs> oh, you're on holiday, aren't you? It's yeah, your holiday. first It's your first opportunity to... No, we'll, we'll excuse that. It's your first <laughs> opportunity to get away, and it's your husband's 40th since COVID, so... See, I told
2: Stuart
0: last year, this is how prepared I was, I was like, Stuart next year I won't be around for most of the festival I gave him a full year's warning that I wasn't going to be
1: here <laughs> I, I think that's fine, you, you know, a whole year's warning, 40th, yes. husband's 40th uh, and uh, as, as we've said, you've been involved since 2018 but um, look obviously community matters a huge amount so if you are in Leeds, go check out what else is going on in that second week and uh, Anna, thank you very much for giving up a few minutes today.
0: Thanks very much cool.